Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Happy to have you join us on this Tuesday morning. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Mike Grella at the desk this morning. We've got Jenny. Hey, strong. You always push me off the I've been working out. Uh, nice to be back. Did you all have a nice uh, day off yesterday? Yeah, not bad. I was on the show, though. Oh, you were. That's right. You did a cameo from Miami. Yeah, from Miami. From Miami. Got to see a, a glimpse of Nico's apartment, yeah. which looked actually quite quite nice. It's nice. Penthouse, yeah. penthouse suite for, for a barbecue. His plants are on the rooftop. Yeah, oh, wow. plants on the rooftop. And when I rent it out soon, oh, that's going to be the worst nightmare. I don't know whether to rent it out with plants, but then what do I do with the plants? They're heavy. Oh. They're like, it's a jungle. On Your the rainforest will be abandoned. There's an ecosystem. Is There's there anyone you trust down there to look after your plants? Yeah, I can probably give them to my parents, but it's on a third story rooftop. There's like an areca palm in a massive 100-pound plantern with moist... I, I think you might have to leave the plants. I there. think you might have to leave the plants. <laughs> Krill, Krill what are we talking away. about? What? You, you what don't do gardening? You're, you're a family man. You don't do gardening around the house? I don't do gardening, no. But, <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. I, I want to appreciate what you're talking about. I love, I love green in my place. So yeah, I'm, me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm big a big plant guy. Absolutely. You say, what, do you got a palm tree? or <laughs> No, it's so like a palm. It, it fits in a plant. Yeah, I'm not that level yet. I don't yeah. even know what we kind are, of plant that is. We are off to a hell of a start this morning. <laughs> Just, uh, but Ooh. I want to give a shout out to the lovely ladies that held it down on Morning Footy yesterday. They did. they did a great job. It was a fantastic show. So very cool to see that. Um, should we talk some soccer? Should we get off the plants and move yep. on to some soccer? Let's do it. Some Serie A? How about Bologna hosting AC Milan? Let's get to the highlights of this one. Yeah. Christian Pulisic making his first start with his new club. Chuck. And what position? That right wing position. And he was he was phenomenal. This was an ideal debut. You can see that ball that he plays in to Reinders, who slips it across for Giroud. This is his left foot on a dime, and Giroud taps it home. But yeah, this no. is what was oh, special, huh, What a moment here. He, he was so good, and he was showing all the tools. This one, little one-two, takes two touches in there and just bang right oh. out of the feet. Bologna's in a good spot there as well. Like, the defenders have him pretty trapped. The goalkeeper knows he's, you know, not got a great angle. And just that little back lift and bang to the far post. Like he was he was probably the best player on the day, and that's a pretty good start for Pulisic. If, if he can play like this and just continue, if this is the base, he will fulfill what we all think he can fill in terms of his potential, being mm -hmm. world-class. That's, that's what we always mm -hmm. thought Christian Pulisic would be, considering when he broke into the national team at that young age, playing at Dortmund at that young age, that he could be world-class. This shows me he could be on that path if he continues just to stay healthy. Because look how good he was, playing one touch, two touch. No matter if there are teams in a low block, when you move that quick, 
his service with his left foot. You could tell he can go either way, and that's what makes him so difficult. And he has great touch when he plays quick. He's very tough to defend because his movement off the ball is phenomenal. When he gets caught on the ball too much, what we saw typically with the early days of the U.S. men's national team, that's when he takes a beating from defenders. That's when he gets put in bad positions. But when he is playing like this, short and sharp, I was worried about him going to Italy because I know teams will play against AC Milan and will sit in a low block, right? Two banks of four, nowhere to go, no space between the lines, no space behind. And his game is like right on the counter. He's quick. He can go by guys. So my worry was that. And then in the first game, he answered all my questions, right? He, the first goal comes from him because he breaks down the low block with a the, with the weak-footed cross that's perfectly measured. And then the goal, he's got four defenders standing in front of him, nowhere to go, no space, tight little one-two, bang, bang. So if he can do that in a low block, wait till they see him in open space. And he's still got more to give, believe it or not. Do you see him playing as a 10, seeing what he could do now in that right wing spot? Throughout the season, there might be some movement. Because where does Samuel Chukwese fit in, in all of this once he comes in? But judging from just the, what did he get, 75 minutes yesterday, judging from that handful of, of, of minutes that he got yesterday, he looks confident. I really like the combinations between him and Reinders, between him and Calabria. No, him and Giroud. On, on the right-hand side. And then there was a further understanding between him and Giroud. There were a couple of moments where he was hitting switches across the field and Giroud was hitting them one time. There, there was a deeper understanding between the two. And obviously from, from our conversation that we had, what was that, two, three months ago before the transfer window even opened and we asked Giroud here at Morning Footy about Christian Pulisic potentially moving to Milan and he was like, ooh, ooh, I <laughs> yeah. like her. He was really excited about that for his, his former Chelsea teammate. Pulisic is, is, has been brought here to be one of the main guys. He's not a role player anymore. It's no. a part of his career where he's going to be a protagonist, that uh, he has to carry the responsibility yeah. of being one of the main Milan players because it feels like that's what Pioli brought him for. It feels like that's what he's there to do. So how much – it has to feel so good for a guy like Christian Pulisic to have the confidence of his manager. Pioli basically saying, like, no, like, this guy is going to be a very important piece for us. How, how major is that for a player like, like Pulisic where, you know, we saw at Chelsea, he, he wasn't really appreciated. He wasn't really utilized. How big of a difference is that for a guy? It's massive. And I think he has the backing of the ownership as well. And we got to interview them last – I think it was last year or a few months ago – and they all back him. They all want this project to go forward. He is uh, a, a dual asset in that he's a massive marketing piece for a huge market, which is the United States. Like, how many people want to watch Pulisic in a Milan jersey? We all do. I, I know that for sure. All soccer fans do. Uh, and then what he can bring on the field. Uh, and again, the fact that he could break down low blocks, I didn't, I didn't see that part of his game, like, ever, that polished part of his game. So if he can bring that, I mean, I, and, and the, the backing of the manager as well, Pioli, who's known to be a fairly calm guy, knows what he wants, knows what he likes. He keeps the players at ease. And a lot of the times what Peely's doing is just getting out of the way of the players. Uh, way, you know, getting get out of the way of the players and letting them perform and letting them play to their talents. He's not really a guy that's screaming and yelling and wants it his way. He's sort of like out in the background and letting the players do what they want. And, and I think, Chiquese, when you brought it up, that's, that's depth and competition. Right. So if you looked at this front three now, who's coming off? Like, yeah. I was no, not no, moving. No, Giroud's not. not moving. Not. And the way Pulisic played, he's, he's not, not going moving. anywhere. So 
you know, Leal sometimes can go in and out with injuries as well. Pulisic we've seen throughout well. his Chelsea career. So th- it's great when you have depth. And Pioli must be sitting there like, mm. this so oh, yeah. far right. so good. Yeah. Right? Now, Yunus Musa, on the other hand, like I said, it's, he was never just going to walk in and play. Right. He's got to grind to get that opportunity. And I do think once he gets going, he will be a mainstay and in this midfield. By the way, yesterday, Yunus Musa didn't play because he was carrying over a suspension from Valencia. So finally, when he works his way into that midfield, it's going to add even further depth. So he's either going to fit in for like a Kroonish, for example, in, Reinders, in either a six row or, or Reinders or a Loftus-Cheek. Milan yeah. has a lot to play with. And back to the 4-3-3 that, that Pioli, yeah. uh, um, he, he, he kind of played around with a little bit last season. Um, and it didn't work. He went back to the 4-2-3-1. We were talking, I don't know, was this last yeah. week? You weren't here. But we were talking about that, that the 4-3-3 didn't work for him last week, but last year. But this season, yeah, he, he, has, he has options to, he switched around with. a lot last year. But in, for reference, also, Bologna, not a bad team. Five, 543 passes, 54% possession. Mm-hmm. They think they had like 17 mm-hmm. shots. So not, they didn't play like a pushover team. They played one of the top teams, you know, top mid-level team. Uh, yeah, worth pointing out, too, Christian Pulisic becomes the first American to score a goal in three of the top five European leagues. So it's a pretty nice. pretty cool accolade, um, a dream start to the season for them. Let's move it along to the Premier League. Yesterday we saw Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal. Both teams looking to get two wins to start the season. Look at this. This is straight from the training ground. Set piece, running off the line, and Niketia gets brought down. Keeper just made a bad mistake. Niketia's run away from, from the goal. He didn't have to come out that way. And Odegaard from that spot, just clinical. And then this in the 67th minute. What do we think? It, Is you it have enough? to be smart. So <laughs> I look at Tomiyasu in this case, you're on a yellow. Do nothing to give the referee mm. the opportunity to, to even think about giving you a yellow in that case because it was a slight, a slight, slight pull. And defenders do that all the time, just to throw you off a little bit. Nothing egregious. It didn't, yeah. But it didn't in that look case, like much, but if you you're don't on ha- yellow. You don't have to. Yeah, but and, you're, and, you're stopping and, the counter, too, right? You're stopping yeah. the counter. Not, back, and so. Jordan Ayu is smart in that case. He knows that Tomiyasu's on yellow. You're, you're waiting for it. And Crystal Palace, they're a good team. They have some good players. They're a good team under Roy Hodgson. Mm-hmm. But they were looking for penalties this whole game. They were going down easy. They were trying to... Deceived the ref in some cases, but this is just a, a, a boneheaded play from Tomiyasu. You so just have to be smart. Qu- question because with the injury to Julian Timber at that left back position, mm-hmm. now you've got Takehito Tomiyasu out for the next mm-hmm. game. He adjusted by bringing Gabriel Magalhães in. He took off Martinelli. How, how did they adjust? I was watching Milan, so I, I couldn't perceive the, 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 the tactical shift. Who was playing left back? Do we know exactly? Was it Gabriel? Zinchenko came into the game. Zinchenko came into the game, yeah. but much later, at the 89th minute. But it was a good run, so he'll be, I'm back. saying, in, so, for the next match. So he'll be ready, Zinchenko, we think, for yeah, the next I, game. Okay. Mm, interesting. Well, I think it was, it was an impressive performance from Arsenal, who were basically playing down a man for, for 30 minutes. And for them to hold off Crystal Palace, for Charlie as an Arsenal fan, I mean, that had to 
It's three Crystal points. Palace is a good and team. There's at all points. It's a hard at Selhurst Park. It's a very difficult place to play. Crystal Palace is a good team. They have, and they have some really top talent. I mean, Eze is, is one of the, the best young players in the English Premier League. But I, I think Arteta is still trying to, to, to experiment a little mm-hmm. bit because we're still seeing Thomas Partey as a right back who comes inside, so you play the back three. I think Gabriel Megalish is a, a, a center back who's so good that he needs to be on the pitch. Hmm. And, and Real Madrid, I think, have been sniffing around because uh, of the injury. Um, to, to Militao. So I just feel that if you're doing a back three, Gabriel needs to be on. He had some great moments last year, partnered well with Saliba. Uh, just go to a back, normal back three then. Don't have the, the inverted right back coming in and, and just play with the back three because Gabriel is that good. So um, I think that it's, the tinkering is still working mm-hmm. and it's early in the season that it's not that big of a deal. They're still getting points. They're still getting wins, exactly. which is important. But you got to start to solidify how this team's going to be playing moving forward, especially with Champions League on the horizon. Yeah, six points to start the season. They're all right. They're doing all right. Um, All right, you guys, we're going to take a break. Jenny Chu will return with some headlines on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Stars, they're just like us. So check this out, guys. Pep he said, no, is no. getting a parking Why? ticket in the, Manchester. The policeman is <laughs> laughing in his face. The, the, police, the police officer is laughing, but then wants a picture. <laughs> and Pep said, hey, get out of here. No way. <laughs> Look, it's very important. It's very important. Very, you don't get it. Look how he plucked it off, too. The important thing is, if you want a parking ticket here to the left hand side, it would be better for the car. <laughs> <laughs> that was a decent pet. No, that is <coughs> important. You know, he coughs all the time. He has a chronic cough. I'm worried about that. He just, you know, he's probably so yelling So, Dr. A Nico, lot. how would you assess uh, the chronic cough? Pay attention. Often, he coughs in his <laughs> press conferences. Pay attention. Wait, do pay we know attention. that? He, did, did he get the ticket or no? We don't know. Oh, he, I don't. I don't know. He definitely had it. He but took he that thing not, off the windshield and went in. He was mad. You think he had to he pay? He did it not though. look happy. For sure. You think so? Do you think yeah. he'll appeal it? You know, in Europe, do they, they do that? They don't care. They're, you gotta pay. <laughs> but it's Pep. I'll take it for Pep. <laughs> you didn't see the guy take it away. You would think that if the guy saw that it was Pep Guardiola, like he'd be like, oh. no, All right. fair enough. Good. The, good, the, the no, policeman he, did his job. Yes, hundred percent. Uh, I don't know. A man, a man with integrity. I'm listening. Listen, I'm going to Pep. I'm going. Listen, you're Pep. You're not gonna get this ticket, but I. I need some. I need something. Maybe, of course maybe, you are. Maybe you know, a United a little Champions League semifinal. <laughs> yeah. Champions League quarterfinal. Oh, some tickets. Oh, yeah. I see something, what you're doing. Something, something. Yeah. Something. Little yeah. something. Yeah. He, he's, Jersey. From what tickets. I understand, Pep is going to go to court of arbitration of sport to pay that down the ticket. <laughs> Good one, Nico. Good one, okay, Nico. I'm, d- I'm done with jokes. Jenny, have you ever gotten out of a, a parking ticket or a speeding ticket? I have. I cannot speak. I definitely <laughs> If I speak. Really? Um, I feel like you've never gotten a parking ticket in your life. You're so good. You know what? Actually, that. just yesterday, um, I was coming back from the airport. Not yesterday, two days ago. Coming back from the airport, and I was on my phone at a stoplight. And my windows were down, and I hear, <clears throat> and I turned over, and there was a police officer. And I said, sorry. And I threw my phone onto the passenger seat. And he goes, it's OK. That was a close call, Jim. I was a red light, you know. I don't text and drive ever. Just want to make that clear. Yes. Um, but Nico, great impression there. Safety Thank first. You. 
Manchester United have concluded its internal investigation into the allegations made against Mason Greenwood and have announced that the club and player have agreed to mutually part ways. Greenwood has not played for United since he was arrested in January of 2022 on sexual assault allegations. Greenwood has denied the accusation. And all charges, including for attempted rape, were dropped this past February in a statement issued yesterday. The club said... All those involved, including Mason, recognized the difficulties with him recommencing his career at Manchester United. It was therefore been mutually agreed that it would be most appropriate for him to do so away from Old Trafford. And we will now work with Mason to achieve that outcome. In international soccer news, Spanish Federation President Luis Rubiales has put out a video apology after finding himself at the center of controversy following Spain's World Cup win on Sunday. During the on-field medal ceremony, Rubiales kissed midfielder Jenny Hermoso on the lips. The moment was caught on broadcast and shared all over social media, which led to widespread criticism. Here's what Rubiales said in his apology. Take a listen. Seguramente me he equivocado, lo tengo que reconocer, eh, pues porque en un momento de máxima fusividad, sin ninguna mala intención, sin ninguna mala fe, pues bueno, eh, ocurrió lo que ocurrió, yo creo que, que de manera muy espontánea, repito, sin mala fe por ninguna de, de las dos partes. ¿no? A partir de ahí, pues bueno, eh, aquí no se entendía, pues porque lo veíamos algo natural, normal y, y, y para nada, repito, con, con ninguna mala fe, pero fuera parece que se ha formado un revuelo, pues que desde luego si hay gente que se ha sentido por esto dañada, tengo que disculparme, no, no queda otra, ¿no? Hermoso initially reacted on Instagram Live saying she, quote, did not enjoy that, but she later elaborated on the incident saying, quote, it was the emotion of the moment, there's nothing else there, it's no big deal. Yeah. In MLS news, the Portland Timbers have fired head coach Giovanni Savarese, ending his time with the Cascadia club after parts of six seasons. Savarese led the Timbers to a pair of MLS Cup finals and a win in the MLS is back tournament, but the team's struggle in recent years led to the change. Portland missed the playoffs last season and is currently sitting in 12th place in the MLS Western Conference. Assistant coach Miles Joseph will take over as interim head coach as for the rest of the season. In other coaching news, Thierry Henry is set to return to coaching, and he will do so for his native country. The Arsenal and Barcelona legend will take charge of the French men's under-21 national team and guide the group into the 2024 Paris Olympics. It will be Henry's first coaching job since he stepped down as head coach of MLS side CF Montreal after one season in charge. Henry also previously served as manager of French side AS Monaco and most recently worked as the assistant coach with the Belgian national team at the 2022 World Cup. Big, big job. In MLS transfer news, Chelsea is reportedly set to sign their second major league goalkeeper. According to multiple reports, the Premier League Giants are closing in on a $17 million transfer for New England Revolution goalkeeper George Petrovic. Petrovic would join fellow MLS alumnus and former Chicago Fire goalkeeper Gaga Slonina on the books at Stamford Bridge. Slonina joined Chelsea in a reported $15 million transfer in 2022 and recently moved to Belgian side UPIN on loan. Charlie, you watch Petrovic more than anybody with New England Revolution. Yes. Can he challenge Robert Sanchez for the starting spot at Chelsea? No doubt. Uh, George Petrovic is a top keeper. Just his, his technique as a goalkeeper is, is phenomenal. I mean, shot stopper, but also just calm presence, commands his box, comes out and, and wins every challenge, whether it's a cross or a corner, set piece. I've just been very impressed with the way he carries himself and just as a top, a top shot stopper. How, how long was he at New England? Was he, he Matt came, Turner's he, backup? He came in to replace Matt Turner. Did they bring him in, or was he already there? I can't he, remember. They overlapped a, they overlapped a little bit, a bit. yeah. 
It, wow. uh, it is incredible, though, to think about the goalkeeping products that have emerged it's one, from New it, England. It, it's one of the top five outbound MLS transfers or top ten or something like that for him to go to, for that type of money to Chelsea. But it's, it's, not, it's, some, it's not something new that we haven't seen. This has been going on. The first American players that yeah, went over were goalkeepers. Because there was this yeah, understanding. Back-to-back back Arsenal-Chelsea. No, that's crazy. But and then there's Zach Steffen, then there's Matt Turner, then there's Petrovic now. So this is something. In the American goalkeeper, you can still find value and you can still find high quality in, in that position for sure. But I think what stands out to me is, so Turner goes to Arsenal. That's cover. Gaga Sonina goes to Chelsea. That's future Hopefully he'll get there. We believe in him given where he is now, but nothing immediate. He's on loan right now in Belgium. Georgie Petrovic is going to compete for the one spot. That's hmm. the difference. Mm -hmm. So he's not going as cover. He's going to compete. And Nottingham Forest wanted him to come in as a one. Now Matt Turner is there as the one. But Georgie Petrovic is seen as a, a one in Europe or competing to be the number one in Europe, not as cover and not as a, a future project. Yeah. So that, that's what's impressive about can, Georgie Petrovic. Can MLS claim him, though? I feel like he's not product of... Hundred absolutely. And yeah. he's, he's, he's in the store window yes. of the MLS. You, you, know, you, know who who, you know who actually makes out the best in all of this? The goalkeeper coach for the New England Revolution. There you go. To, to have taken Matt Turner from where he was, yep. developed him, and Georgia Petrovic, and it's just the fine-tuning of, of, the of, these keep, of, of how they've been able to look at goalkeepers and to get them to respond so fast and get them not only to be able to make the save, but general playing elite. What's his name? Do we have a name? Goalkeeper coach? What? New England? I'm blanking on I know. his name. Right I now. just want to give him some love because I feel like the goalkeeper coach don't oh get my God. enough love. It'll come to me. We're, next segment. <laughs> Shout out at the top of the next segment. Uh, speaking of, guys, FC Cincinnati head coach Pat Noonan is joining us ahead of their appearance in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal against Miami. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Here we go. FC Cincinnati is in the last eight. Change last week. You get the news today for Messi. How do they perform when they are between the lines? And now it's in from Stefanelli. It's Inter Miami smiling tonight through the semifinal. U.S. Open Cup semifinals tomorrow right here on the Galazzo Network. FC Cincinnati hosting Leo Messi and Inter Miami at 7 p.m. Eastern, followed up by the Houston Dynamo hosting Real Salt Lake at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Our coverage starts at 6 p.m. Chuck and I are going to be there. Nico is going to be in Cincinnati for this yep. one. Leaving today. It's going to be, oh my God, I'm so jealous. I'm really, I'm so excited for you, it's but be I'm, fun. I've got some FOMO right now. Also, Charlie, you remembered the name of the goalkeeper coach. Yes, Kevin Hitchcock. There we go. Hitchy, my bad. <laughs> um, but and he, he actually remembered. Had Nobody to give him told some him. Shine. He remembered. No, but I will say, I mean, what a top goalkeeper coach yeah. because he's well loved by everyone. But it's it's something else when you actually show what you can do for these keepers. Like, who wouldn't want to get coached by Kevin Hitchcock? Love it. He's so good, Chuck forgot his name. So good, Chuck forgot so, his name. <laughs> <laughs>
It's oh, fine. He's, he's it's gonna fine. Come at it's me for fine. That. <laughs> um, guys, we're very excited because uh, we are about to welcome in the head coach of FC Cincinnati, Pat Noonan, who is now a good friend of the show. This is your your second morning footy appearance, Pat. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. All right, so I know it was a tough result over the weekend, the 3-0 loss to Columbus in the Hell is Real Derby, but you guys have a semifinal coming up tomorrow night. What was your message to the team following that result as you prepare for this U.S. Open Cup semifinal? Yeah, maybe the, uh, the, the Cup semi comes at a good time just in terms of the quick turnaround. You know, like you said, it was um, a poor performance, uh, a lot of things that we didn't get right in that game. So uh, we quickly have to shift our focus. And, uh, you know, before we left the building, the idea was everybody, you know, put this in the past. Certainly, you know, we would look in, and analyze this at a, in a little bit more detail. But um, I just want these guys thinking about Wednesday. And I think, you know, when we came into the building yesterday, that's all we talked about, and uh, hopefully, you know, it translates into a couple of good training sessions <laughs> and a better performance on Wednesday. Pat, I, I want to congratulate you on what you've been able to build, build at FC Cincinnati. It's actually incredible. Um, you went from zero to 100 because Cincinnati were in shambles before you took over. Uh, now seeing how Inter-Miami have kind of turned the tide, I mean, this is a completely different team. They go to Philadelphia, where you once coached uh, with Jim Curtin, unbeaten there really just a really tough place to play and they absolutely smashed Philadelphia you guys are unbeaten in Cincinnati no one really comes there and, and dictates the the tempo and play how do you plan on dealing with this in Miami side because Philly changed their their DNA and and they got punished for it so are you going to still have that same type of mentality that you typically do at home yeah, look, I, everybody's talked about the, the different ways to try to stop some some very good players, obviously a good coach. You know, they all have a history of working together. And when you start to piece in players of that quality, you see the best versions of, you know, the players that have been a part of that group, you know, from the beginning. So they're in great form. You know, we've we've talked about how we want to approach the game. You know, you've seen teams that look to get after them. And the challenges that you face when, you know, pressure's broken, you see teams that have sat in a little bit. And really even teams that, you know, are, are sitting deeper, you have good players with limited space that can still make plays. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of coaches and, and teams have taken this approach of how do you stop, you know, one of the best to ever play the game. And, um, you know, that's our challenge on Wednesday. But I know our guys will be up for it. But you still got to execute in, in, the, in the biggest moments. And um, you saw it even in the Nashville game. Um, I thought they defended in a, in a really good way, limited, you know, Messi's touches, Busquets at times. But in that one moment where the ball just bounces out in a way where, uh, you know, Messi makes an incredible play to score a goal. You know, you look at it and you say, how much more can you do? So um, it's, it's those types of moments where you, you need the, the right defending. You need to be able to get close. Uh, to the player to to keep him from getting a shot off. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, on Wednesday we have some answers. Pat, when you look at this game on paper, it's quite literally the best team in Major League Soccer against the worst team in Major League Soccer, but we all know that's not the reality. Since this transfer window that Inter-Miami has had and their League's Cup victory, how much closer <clears throat> is that gap in your eyes? If you look at the last seven games, it's pretty close. Um, you know, they've, they've done an excellent job of, of improving their roster. 
And, um, you know, they have an experienced coach that knows uh, this league, that has won in this league. So I think when you kind of factor in those things, it's, it's no surprise that it's quickly transitioned into success on the field. So um, we don't look at it like that. You know, we haven't talked about the position in the table. Um, we're, we're, we're matched up against a really good Miami team that's just come off of winning a trophy uh, that's playing with a ton of confidence. So uh, it'll be a really good test for us. Hey, Pat, so I think uh, it's important for, you know, the neutral soccer fans to understand, you know, this sort of relationship between ownership, uh, coaching, general manager, right? And uh, at Cincinnati now that uh, Carl Lindbergh is the owner, you got Chris Albright, you as the coach, how important is it that you guys are all on the same page? Because I think when I look at Cincinnati, there was a lot of good pieces, but I think since you three have been more on the same page, I think that's where a lot of the success uh, comes. Can you talk about how important that is for, for a club, especially a club in the MLS? Well, just speaking on the, the relationship with Chris and myself, it helps that we had worked together in Philly for, you know, four or five years, however long it was, I think four years. And um, so to be able to take that previous relationship into the uh, the work that we were doing in, in Cincinnati, it just makes the transition uh, a lot easier. And the conversations um, are, are more efficient and quicker in terms of getting things done. Now, uh, when you talk about Carl and the support that we've gotten, I, I, a lot of that goes to Chris and his ability to uh, connect with ownership to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, fill me in when I need to be filled in. And he, he just connects all the dots with ownership with, you know, with management and, and certainly with the technical side. So, um, you know, he's he's behind the scenes doing a lot of work to just kind of bring this all together. So, you know, he deserves a ton of credit with that. And, you know, we can't do it without the, the resources and the support we get from Carl and our ownership group. Pat, I just want to talk about some of the players that have really developed under your tutelage. And, and one is Brendan Vasquez. Just watching how he played, especially against Chivas, it seems like now he's really developing as a, a well-rounded striker, not just a box striker. He's coming out, he's great with link-up play, his passing, but now creating his own shot, which was, which was I think, missing. And now he, he's showing that he's, he's much more diverse in the way that he plays. How have you seen him grow? Well, that last part you said is the ability to create, create his own shot. I think he's had to do that a little bit more than maybe even we would like because of at times, you know, you saw it in the Columbus game when we're trying to play too fast or look for the killer pass and, you know, our front three is in isolation. Um, there's times where, you know, they're looking to, to make plays on their own. And I think that's maybe um, where Brandon's, you know, evolved a little bit is, like you said, you know, the 1v1 moments creating his own opportunities. But, you know, we can't rely on that too much because, uh, as you can see, we struggle when, when we're off in, in those moments. And so we, the, Brandon needs his teammates, and his teammates need him. So we need to be really connected in how we attack. And when we do it that way, you know, you've seen it. He, he has the ability in the box uh, to create space for himself. Where, where, when the delivery's there and when we have the numbers uh, to help him create his, his space as well, then, you know, he can finish plays off. So, um, you know, we've talked about the attacking side of the ball, but defensively, He's that first line of pressure that is kind of relentless in how he goes to the ball, and he's a, he's a willing defensive player, which is so important for what we're doing. All right, Pat, very important question. Um, we know that the, the game-worn Messi jersey has become a very hot commodity in Major League Soccer. If you had to predict who of your players is going to be on the receiving end of, of this one in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal, who is it going to? 
I imagine that's a fellow countryman with uh, uh, with Lucho. Uh, maybe maybe Alvaro sneaks in there. But, uh, <laughs> my, my guess is uh, is Lucho. You know, you saw it from the World Cup. They've Lucho was there, spent a little time together. So I don't know how uh, well, well that relationship uh, is, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him with that jersey. What what's the prize of your jersey collection? Not great, and it doesn't include Messi. <laughs> no, I know you got some some real nice nobody, ones. Nobody was nobody was was you know knocking on my door after after the game to say, hey, give me the jersey. This is what I need in my collection. Uh, well, Pat Noonan, we really appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck tomorrow. We can't wait to watch. All the best. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. We are chatting some more results around Europe when we return. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Some big results over the weekend in Europe. Here's a look at the weekend of La Liga. We had Villarreal getting the 1-0 win over Mallorca. Real Madrid 3-1 over Almeria. Barcelona 2-0 over Cadiz. Athletic Club 2-0 over Osasuna, Girona 3-0 over Getafe, and Betis Atletico ends in a 0-0 draw. But this is a big win for Real Madrid and a huge performance from Jude Bellingham who had a brace in this match. He now has three goals on the season with his new club. This signing looking to be pretty brilliant for Madrid. Charlie, how has he been able to be effective from the jump? Well, he just gets so far forward. I mean, look how advanced he is in, into the into the box, and he's a good finisher for an attacking midfielder. Look at the, the late run out of midfield. It's very tough to track, and he's dangerous in the air. We saw in the World Cup the same thing. Just with England, with, with Borussia Dortmund, and now with Real Madrid, he's just getting better. He gets so involved in the attacking uh, third. And look, three goals and one assist in two games in the Liga. He's, he's justifying he's the, the price tag. This is the best signing of the summer. And Real Madrid got their business done very early. That where you see right there where it says CM5, I feel like CM doesn't do him justice because he's everywhere. And we gave him his very deserved flowers last week because he was so good in match day one and then backs it up in match day two. He's got so many weapons in his arsenal. He, he can do anything that he wants. You, you have to put yourself in his shoes just for a second, right? You go for a crazy amount of money. You're still a young man, right? You're playing for Real Madrid, which brings its own weight of, of responsibility. And, and then your price tag, right? And your age. You go away from home against a team you should beat. And you go down 1-0. That pressure is a different kind of pressure. That pressure makes you think, oh, man, I, I've got to do something. I'm the guy that's got to do something now. He misses a chance early on with his head. He kind of just gets it wrong. It looks awkward. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know how easy it is at that point as a player to just go in and say, okay, th today's not my day. Instead, he keeps getting forward, keeps playing well, gets the, the, uh, the first goal that, that was a little bit lucky, a little bounce off. And then the second goal he scores is tremendous. The run through like a train from midfield, it's impossible to pick up for the defenders. And then put your head there. I know you would probably do something crazy like that, but me, I don't put my head where the goalkeeper's punching. And just the courage, the bravery, the talent that he brings uh, already, you can see at an early stage, is, is pretty incredible. Well, what's astonishing is that Real Madrid are not playing with a nine, a traditional striker. So when Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo play high as, as two, almost like, 
two withdrawn strikers, two wingers that come upside. But there's no one in the center. So as an attacking midfielder, now the center backs are focused on Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. because they're so good 1v1. When you make that late run out of midfield, typically center backs are not in position to deal with that run. Or they're, they're late. And that's where he's taking advantage of that, that space, whether it's balls whipped in or just the late run out of, out of midfield. And that's the biggest question mark with Real Madrid at the moment. It doesn't seem, with the market closing imminently, it doesn't seem like they're going to go after another nine. Jose Lu is their option off the bench. Maybe we do find it, right? Maybe but they get Benzema. I mean, uh, sorry, Mbappe at the, at the end of the transfer window. Possibly. Look, it's as of now... It might be a problem going forward. Jude Bellingham can only do so much. He's been great in these first two match days. But Vinicius is better out wide, and Vinicius is better working off of a nine. Not, not that he's not drifting out wide now, because naturally he will, and Rodrigo as well. And, and Jude kind of is, is omnipresent in, in that attack and in defense and recovery. But it'll be interesting to see... If Jose Lu ever starts, who from the midfield you take out? Because you're not benching uh, Rodrigo or Vinicius, right? And you're not benching uh, Bellingham. So who in the midfield is the one that takes a backseat? Right now, Valverde's been playing. So it's a pretty intricate puzzle that Carlo Ancelotti has to work with because you're changing your system. You're, you're, you're going to change Bellingham's position. If you go back to a 4-3-3, what has given you so much success over the last couple of seasons. So, I'm super happy for him. Yeah. But Real Madrid, I think, have to... I, I, I don't well, know if, if this is a long-term thing where they're playing without him. Well, nine. Tony Cruz would probably come out, and he showed at times where he doesn't track back or isn't quick enough to make that recovery run. And, right. And they got exposed with his, his lack of ability to get back because he doesn't have the legs like he used to. And but, Luka Modric and Tony but, Cruz are kind okay, of interchangeable fine. with that. But then, Shramenica, Mavinga, Valverde, Jude Bellingham, uh, who do you sit? No, you can't. That, well, listen. Whoever's look, not in form. 4 4 2, right? But they're all in form. We've seen, they're all amazing. We've seen 4 4 2. Everyone said that was the best formation ever. Two strikers, right? Then we've seen one striker now, right? And everyone's like, oh, you, you play with the big center forward, you get the wingers, you play 4 3 3. Maybe now we're going to see Angelotti invent no strikers, right, with two wingers wide and then all these runs crazy. for the midfield. It's been done before. You know, Roma has played that way and gone pretty far in the Champions League with Francesco Totti being the nine, but not right, but, on paper, but, but, but not like really being. But it's a false nine, but that's not what Jude it's Bellingham is. And same with, no, I mean, no, he's just a midfielder running from, the, running from the midfield, yeah. But it's cr- it's Can crazy. you imagine being a center back and, and not two center backs and having no forward to mark? It's tricky as well. Yeah. It's tricky because you, you don't know. You get caught ball watching. Like, he, he brings up a great point. Your Vinicius is coming on the right. You're ball watching here. And then all of a sudden, you're getting these runners that you can't account for. It's a lot of math you have to do last second pretty quick. While you're flat-footed. Yeah. And, he, and he's a balls in behind. You get two runners in the midfield and you don't pick them up properly. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. I'm excited to watch Jude Bellingham. He carries himself with a, with a this sense of excellence, an air of, of just he's majestic. <laughs> He is, he is. He, he, I, love, I love how he describes But you know why? Because like he's, he's, a, he's a gentleman, he's Greek so God. young, and his head is placed on his shoulder so well. When we spoke to him after the Dortmund-Chelsea loss, he, he needs to assume that role. We spoke to him, and, and he was so smart and eloquent, and in defeat, he was graceful. And he has all of these characteristics of a smart young man that knows the responsibility that the Real Madrid shirt holds. Oh. And that's why I'm, it, I use these adjectives because 
when you show up to the Santiago Bernabeu, it's a coliseum. You need to carry yourself with, with that air of, of grace and of confidence and of leadership. I want to find a, somebody that talks about me the way you talk about. <laughs> Seriously, Dude, but yeah. it's true, man. I, it's I, there was something that w we saw in him in, in, in majestic, All right. majestic. Um, okay, <laughs> speaking of majestic, <laughs> let's move it over to uh, the Bundesliga, shall we? Um, Harry Kane, guys. A heck of a start for him and his new club in Bayern Munich as they get the 4-0 win over Werder Bremen. Here's a look at some of the other results from the weekend. But for Harry Kane, um, had a, also had an assist in this win. How how encouraging of a start is this from him? If this clicks the yes. way we think it will, I mean, how how big of a signing is this for for them? Oh, this is a, a massive signing. And to be honest, he didn't have a great game. It, was, it felt to me that he was playing with that pressure of hitting the ground running. I want to be the best. I want to show that I'm worth this, this, this price tag and that I'm going to help this team not only win Bundesliga but Champions League. That's what it felt like. I want to get that goal off my back, you know, break the duct right away. And it, a lot of it was forced in the beginning, but it was a great pass to Lurie Sané to get that opening goal, which was phenomenal. And that's what Harry Kane is, is – so renowned for is, is not just his goal scoring, mm -hmm. but his movement and his, his passing ability, which is phenomenal. But he finally gets his goal, and the goal, the first touch is phenomenal because the ball is actually behind him from Alfonso Davies. But he's able to still get it in front of him, square his hips, and then he's able to open his, his, his right leg up so the keeper thinks he's going far post, and he's so good at just putting it near post. So he opens, and then he closes it, and he hits it with so much precision and and power. I just love what Harry Kane brings to this Bayern Munich side. It's just when this team actually starts playing well, they won 4-0, but it still wasn't an overpowering Bayern Munich performance where you're like, this team is unstoppable. Yeah. They're still working things out. There's still some kinks. When they do finally get it, this team is going to be phenomenal. Bayern Munich's been known to play some of the best football over the last 10, 15 years, and especially for their center forward. Whoever they plug in there, they're usually champions. Kane, uh, Kane obviously a champion, but you have Pizarro, Lewandowski, Luka Toni was there, Mandzukic was there. And it's a dream job for a center forward because you know, like you see the goal, he just has to spin. The ball finds its way there. And all the best strikers, two touches, back of the net. But... At Tottenham, I feel like he was had to put the team on his shoulders a little bit more. He had to go into the midfield more and link play, and he had to worry about others, and he had to lead the team here. It's almost as if he just has to worry about himself. Mm -hmm. He just has to be himself, the goal scorer that he is, and, and uh, he's going to score a ton of goals in this really talented side. Before we go to break, I want to give two shout-outs. Bayer Leverkusen beat Leipzig. We gave him flowers on last yes, show. Yes, he did. Xabi Alonso's team got started off on the right foot. Mind you, Leipzig beat Bayern Munich 3-0 sure in the Super Bowl, Kyle. And also Union Berlin, Brendan Aronson's team won 4-1 against Mainz. Kevin Behrens scored a hat-trick, all three goals with his head, and then went home riding a bicycle. Incredible. Boss. And Boning Foss <laughs> got an assist in that, <laughs> there in you that go. game for Leverkusen. Let's there you go. go. And we had Florian Wirtz. Charlie, would you ever leave a game on a bicycle? Uh, no. Nah. I, I, in Sweden? In Sweden, yeah. I walked home after game. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Even better. <laughs> Even better. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. <gasps> Kamal Miller of Inter Miami is joining us next. We, we're going to hear the, the up close and personal stories of Leo Messi when we return. Don't go anywhere.